I'm freaked out. I think I'm losing my mind and memory. Can stress cause dementia or Alzheimer's? You might be surprised. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. This is Nancy May from Doing It Best with Elder Care Success. And this is a wee spring brief. What are spring briefs? Well, spring briefs are short episodes that give you tips, tricks, resources, and ideas to get you through the long spring days, which can sometimes be a bit tough and challenging, even for the strongest of us. So stay tuned and hang tight as we dive into this next spring brief. And yes, there is a better way. Hey, everybody, it's Nancy May from Doing the Best with Elder Care Success. And this subject even has me a little disturbed and wondering whether I'm losing it. I've been doing some research to figure out, does extreme stress, especially in caregiving, have any potential to cause dementia or Alzheimer's? The good news is it doesn't. Phew, I'm glad about that one. The bad news is that extreme stress or chronic stress, which many of us are dealing with when it comes to caring for mom or dad or even another loved one, can cause some type of memory loss. Now, as caregivers, stress is everywhere when we're caring for an AG parent. And I would sleep with the phone by my bed many times thinking, should I get up at one, two, three, check my phone? I did it all the time. Not good. And I'm not recommending you do that either, even if mom's in the other room. The good news, don't you love this? Good news, bad news? Good news, bad news? Well, the good news is that it is reversible. So you're not losing your memory or your mind entirely. The Mayo Clinic and other researchers have actually found that extreme stress can impact the brain and brain aging by as much as 1.5 years, if not more, in some cases, even four years. Extreme stress has also been known to actually create inflammation in the brain, which does have an impact on cognitive diseases. Not so good. However, I want to talk about some of the things that are going on that might actually help you with some of these issues. First of all, we already know that stress is everywhere, up, down, in, out, in our home, outside, wherever it is, at work. If we're caring for an aging parent or loved one, we are feeling it to the nth degree. The thing, though, is that many of those around us don't even know. So if you blow like Mount Vesuvius, waiting to explode or after explosion, sometimes that creates a bigger stress factor, not just on us, but on them too. We're pretty good at caregiving and we're even better at not sharing it with the outside, especially if you're in the workforce or running a business like I do. So where do we start? Let me start at home because that's where most of the stress is starting with to begin with, at least when it comes to caregiving. So one of the things we need to do is figure out how important are all the little things that we're dealing with. For example, like, do we really care whether the laundry is mounting up to the point where how did it manage to get as high as Mount Everest? Eh, let it go. As long as it's not an extreme health situation, it's not to be worried about. And worst case scenario, you pick up what you need, you throw a few things in the wash, and you're ready to go in the morning. Who cares if the dishes mount up in the sink? They could be a close rival to that mound of laundry on the floor. But maybe a kind, loving family member could actually chip in and take care of the dishes. You know, one of my pet peeves is when the dishes are in the sink, 
how come you can't actually take them from the sink and just stick them in the dishwasher at the same time when you're standing there? All right. So that's my pet peeve. And yes, it's a stressor for me. Or at work. Sometimes your boss may not even know that you're under extreme pressure at home, whether it be caring for a loved one, a spouse, or even a parent. That's a big one because the last thing we want to do is lose that form of income. One way to take care of that is actually pull your boss aside and say, do you have a moment, Jim or Sally? I want to share something with you and get your opinion. Explain what you're doing and ask them if they've actually done this themselves. You might be surprised that they've actually been caregivers as well and could have some good suggestions. There's a lot of fear of retribution out there about what a workforce or employer might actually do as a result of you being under stress as a caregiver. Believe me, it's huge. 53% of people in the workforce population say they will not talk to their boss or anybody else in their environment for fear of retribution. I personally find that horrible, but hopefully it's not your case. And if it is, take a deep breath and just gently ask for guidance and then drop it. See what happens. If your peers are noticing that you're stressed out, ask them for a little help in taking up some of the slack. Not for a lot, because that's not going to last a long time, but also share, like you did with your boss, what's going on at home. They don't need to know the gritty little details for sure, but just a little bit of a peek behind the door might be helpful. And again, I'm going to guess that some of them are also dealing with the same thing or have, and might have some really good suggestions. Triggers are everywhere. Now, we've kind of already discussed that, but they can also make you feel physically weak and impact your own health. If that happens, it's time to stop and just take account of everything that's going on and why. But before we go further, I want to say that there are actually a couple of things that the medical profession has said really does impact the quality and health of your brain, especially if you think you're kind of losing it. Yep, I thought so once too. And I will tell you, it does get better. So we've said this in some other episodes, but exercise really is a good thing. And, you know, the whole idea of the runner's high actually does help create that sense of euphoric feeling. It's not exactly the endorphins that make our brain feel that way, as we've always been told or always thought. However, it is the endocannabinoids that do so. Endocannabinoid is a biochemical that is released by our body and behaves similar to cannabis. But it's produced by us not by the plant growing in the backyard. Well, that was a different generation. Our own body-made endocannabinoids create that mood-uplifting feeling, also known as a neuromodular, which produces a short-term psychological or psychoactive effect that reduces anxiety and creates a feeling of calm. Um, yeah, I'm feeling better already. So not everybody really wants to go running down the road for a five-mile brisk jog or sprint or run that creates that feeling, especially if you feel like your brain's been bouncing in your head a little too much anyway. But these are a couple of things that you can do that can help. Running up and down the stairs with an extra basket of laundry, or better yet, since we're all working at home, even a little bit. Take the laptop. And the extra two pounds that you're carrying is going to feel like an extra 10 pounds by the time you're doing those stairs for the third time around. Trust me on that one. 
if you're at work, take the stairs. Yeah, we all know that when we're trying to lose a few extra pounds, five extra pounds on that body is going to feel like a lot of weight. And it may actually uplift that feeling of your endocannabinoids. I think I kind of like that word. In any case, that particular chemical that goes into your body, which actually can't penetrate your brain, gives us a sense of feeling brain spanking new again. I'd like to feel that way sooner rather than later, wouldn't you? The next is getting rest. All right. Yeah, yeah, yada, yada, yada. Speak to the hand, Nancy. Rest, 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 rest. I don't sleep. I can't sleep. Done. That's it. And you know what? I don't need to sleep on any more than four hours a day. I am great. Well, you're wrong. And you probably heard this time and time again, but our bodies actually need seven to eight hours of sleep. You know, I was like one of those crazy students in college that I knew that all too well. If you don't know what your body reacts to as far as sleep, please try and figure it out because this is going to help you a lot. And like I said, going back to college, I would sit, okay, so I need one, two, three, four, five, eight. go to bed at 10 o'clock. I'll be able to get up at 536. All right, I can do that. But yeah, <laughs> my roommate would be up all hours of the day and night and she'd sleep during the afternoon when she thought she didn't need it. Ha ha. Guess what? Uh, we are not superhumans. Although as caregivers, we kind of think we are. And if I had my silver bracelets, yes, superwoman, I'd be clinking them together right now. Ching, ching. Oh, and if you think you're Martha Stewart, Martha thinks that she only runs on four hours of sleep. That is BS. You seen the way she looks lately? All right, maybe she does look good. Trust me, she's got a whole ground of worker bees. I don't have that. Do you? But before we get off the sleep thing, other than feeling rest and relaxed and mm, just in that great state of, I can do anything that mom or dad puts in front of me, or even my boss at that rate, guess what? There are a few other side effects of not getting sleep. One, besides memory loss, we're starting to talk about, is weight gain. That will slow our brain down too, because when we're not feeling great, I don't know about you, but I go straight to the M&Ms and the raisinets that my husband's got stashed in the freezer. I know where he hides them behind the fish. Not a pretty picture, right? Well, I have gone fishing for those things before, <laughs> believe me. But wait until you have an extra 10 or 15 pounds off your body and see how good you feel. It's easy to blame work from stress, mom and dad who's telling us what to do or what they might need or not need, and you're just being worried about them. Or better yet, that not-so-helpful sibling who's saying, you know, you really need to do more. Well, guess what, Susie? Get up off your butt and come on over here and help out. Mm -hmm. That happens too. Sometimes we just need to give ourselves a gift of chill. While mom and dad are sleeping in those comfy, loungy, or as I call them, lifter chairs, you can snooze too. Although, if you're working, that's a little different. That gift of focusing on yourself is the reason that you're important to them. And a little vanity will go a long way in making you feel better and them feel better too. The next thing is puzzles. You know how they say puzzles are always good for the kanagan or noggin, depending on how you want to pronounce it. It turns out that's true. But there are a few other things that you can do as well. Learning new things actually helps improve your brain function. Stress is a tough one. I get it. That's what we're all talking about, stress and losing our brains. 
or losing our memory, maybe not losing our mind, just a little bit when those extra super stressors happen. And learning something new at work is great because you have to figure out the problem. And it's not just for you, but it's for somebody else. And that sense of community really works strong on our heads and our hearts and our bodies. The other thing is just learn something fun for yourself or together with mom or dad or a spouse that you might be taking care of. For example, say you don't paint, pick up a paintbrush and figure it out. I have to tell you one little story. One year, I decided I was going to knit a sweater for my dad, and I was doing this thing. I was knitting away. It was going to be a Christmas gift. It was beautiful. Until one day, I decided, you know, it's only about a week before Christmas, and I have to knit the other whole half of the sweater. How long is this going to take me? The whole front is taking me like two months. What do I do next? So brilliant me decided for the first time to pick up that sweater, hold it up, and it turned out that the armholes were about four feet long. <laughs> That sweater actually turned into a blanket. I didn't give it to dad as a sweater, but I did neatly pack it up into a box, put a beautiful ribbon on it with a note explaining what had happened. Oh my God, that was one Christmas to remember. I can see that sweater as if it were yesterday. It was a beautiful beige and white and the yarn was exquisite. And it was a good foot warmer, at least then. <laughs> so, Learning something new didn't work quite the way I wanted to, but it worked enough. Give it a try. You might have some fun stories to result from that too. Although I hope it's not four feet long <laughs> armhole sweater. If you don't want to learn something new, try reading aloud to mom and dad. This is going to work especially well if they're having some sight problems. But as mom and dad's hearing are not as good as they had been in years past, you're going to have to speak a little louder, in which case... You might have to get your breath. And then you're back to your aerobics again. Voila, you're done. Here's another thought for caregivers. Now, we talked a little bit about work and family and friends, but sometimes it's hard to bring in those colleagues as friends at work. And we don't always want them to know what's happening behind our own closed front door. That's okay. Sometimes just asking where they are in the world and what they're doing might open a sliver of light into their world. A little common ground goes a long way. But finding friends who will actually purposely focus on making you laugh will bring more joy into your life. And laughter is another great way to add some extra light and energy to that brain, especially when you're forgetting what to do tomorrow. A good coworker, if they have a little bit of an idea of what's going on, will lighten some of your workload, especially if you ask. But you're not going to get anything you need unless you ask. Knowing how to ask is a big thing. So if you do need that help, say, hey, Judy, I'd like to get a little bit of help over here. Could you do that for me on Tuesday afternoon? Great. Thank you. I needed that. And by the way, what can I do to just make things a little easier for you? I'll get to that next week. Thank you. That's all you need to say. But finding help at work is tough. And not everybody understands, or even if they do, when you have to go back time and time and time again, not only is it exhausting on you, but it's exhausting on them. Well, just last night, I was talking to somebody who heard me in another Zoom group who said, I'm just like that person who you said had to quit their job to take care of their mom and dad. That's me. The reason why I say that is because it's important to know that you are not alone and you're not just a number or statistic. But this woman nearly just 
jumped out at me and said, wow, how did you know? She'd gotten some help at work through the benefits department, but the resources there were just not available when she needed them, or they never picked up the phone, or they were curt, or, and the list went on. Things were a little easier for her sister, who worked also in a major corporation, and they were somewhat helpful. But you have to know that caregiving is such a microcosm of what goes on in the community of where you're actually doing the care. Sometimes these groups don't necessarily know who to go to, or they have a relationship with somebody that is beneficial to them, but not always beneficial to you. The key is asking the right questions so that you get the support that you need so that you can make the decision. Because these decisions of what to do and how to do them are incredibly personal. You're going to make some mistakes. That's okay. The key is to fix them fast and not stress over it. Again, another memory saver. Prayer and meditation also helps the brain recover from stress. That's been proved time and time again. It even goes back to the ancient Greeks. You do not have to be a religious zealot to pray. Prayer and meditation actually fall kind of somewhat nicely together. The prime difference is that prayer is a sense of connection to what they say is a higher order or higher being. Meditation is more of a connection to your inner being. If you haven't done either, well, I think we've all done a little bit of both, especially, I look back to thinking, just get me through that day. I'm not sure if that was prayer or meditation, but it certainly was a call to a higher order for sure. It all makes sense at some point. In any case, we're still working to soothe ourselves and heal our souls. And then finally, the last thing that researchers say can actually help our brain recover is creating more meaning and purpose for what we do. Now, as a caregiver, that's a really easy one, because especially if we have an extra love for our folks, then this one is our purpose. Or mom and dad are our purpose. Being a martyr doesn't help you or them make sure you get this one really right. You know, the other night I was watching a television show called Finding Your Roots. It's on PBS if you haven't heard it before. And one of the guests on the show was Rue Paul. Rue had said the last days and months of caring for his mom were one of the most special he had ever had. He said in his rather poignant way, I couldn't think of a better way to honor the love of my mother, who cared for me, than to care for her with the love and attention that she gave me. I didn't hear those words exactly myself, because I had gone off to the other room to make a cup of tea, but my husband called me and said, you got to hear this. And we found it online and replayed it. I'm going to find that and put it on our episode notes so you've got it too. But it was so special. And I thought you might want to hear it as well. A higher order or a higher purpose is important for all of us. I think it's part of what makes us human and makes us an extra special caregiver. You know, it's all about who we connect to and how we do it. E.T., I'm calling home. Yeah, but seriously, it is sometimes about calling home. Calling home to our heart, calling home to our head, calling home to our brain, and yes, being there for mom and dad at home or wherever they are. Because it doesn't matter where they are. Wherever mom and dad is, I always felt like I was home. And that's true. At least it was for me. So let's get back to our main point of all of this. It's, am I going crazy and losing my brain? No, you're not going crazy and you're not losing your brain. You don't have Alzheimer's. You don't have dementia. 
and you don't have memory loss, at least permanently. Yes, stress helps us a lot with a fight-or-flight mechanism that we all have to deal with, especially if we're fighting a bear. I don't know, I haven't seen a bear pass through the backyard lately, although we did have one up in Connecticut, maybe twice. However, the type of constant and extreme stress that we're talking about here when we face it day in and day out as a caregiver can impact our memory, as I said earlier. Yes, it can be reversed, but you have to start now. It's like chipping away at that block of ice. First of all, you don't want the block of ice to form. And second of all, you want to make sure it stays small and eventually dissolves on a nice, warm, sunny day. Just like anything else, if we become lax, it's easy to get into a comfortable pattern that soon becomes the norm. I don't know about you, but I don't want this type of stress to become my MO or that for anybody else that I love, for that matter. So if you've forgotten what to do, go back, rewind this episode, and start from the beginning again. You can learn something new here, hopefully, which in turn will start helping you remember the good stuff you've missed out on again. Oh, and one more thing before we go. To help reduce stress even further, especially in the case of an emergency, and i got to tell you, if you are taking care of a parent, whether it's long distance or hands-on, you are going to have to dial 911 at some point and get a first responder in to either take mom and dad up off the floor, take them to the hospital, or just make sure that they're okay. Medical emergencies happen, and they happen a lot more frequently towards the end of life than we realize, even with our kids sometimes, right? So there's a lot of things that you can learn in that book too. Consider it a mental gymnastics for your brain so that when you don't know what to do and when your heart skips a beat, you do know what to do to get back in rhythm again. There's a link to the book at the end of the episode as well. So before we go, if you like this show, please refer it to a friend. It can be your gift to them. And there's that purpose again, helping others. Just because you can, it's easy. And since it's your gift to them, this is my gift to you. That's it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you soon, or as I like to say, we'll hear you soon. Bye-bye. This show is sponsored by Caremanity, the publishers of How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies, a step-by-step guide before, during, and after. For your own personalized free file of life, go to www.howtosurvive911.com. All trademarks, brands, and comments are not intended to be substitutes for medical, financial, or legal advice. Please consult a medical, legal, or financial professional for issues relevant to your own personal situation. This show is produced by Caremanity LLC. All rights reserved. Caremanity LLC.